Sometimes there's an opportunity that presents itself. For example, you could do Roth conversions if the stock market crashed. That's a that's an opportunity to try to take advantage of a of a, an opportune time. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner Anthony Alpha. Here's your host Ben George. Welcome in to episode number forty. Of all things retirement, I am Ben George alongside Anthony Alfo, certified financial planner and the founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. Anthony, 40 episodes, man. I, Congratulations. <laughs> I had no idea. So it's uh, flying by. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so is the summer. Summer's basically done. <laughs> Where'd know. that go? Life, man. Life just, especially when you have kids, it seems like these things go by. You can measure that time. You notice, I think you notice it a lot more, right? When you have kids, how quickly things move. Yes, I would. I mean, it's nuts how quickly they just they grow and and make changes so quickly right in front of you. So I don't remember like growing up it it flying by that fast, but right. certainly seem to be able to actually see it happen in front of my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, today we're going to have a little bit of fun on the show. We're going to tell some jokes, um, some dad jokes, Anthony. I think uh, you'll appreciate some financial humor. And I'll uh, I'll be the one that throws it out there, gives you the punchline, and then we'll see what lessons we can learn from it. So bear with me as I and humor me as I try to deliver some jokes. Comedy is not my forte, not- <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. Nothing worse than some dad jokes. <laughs> not, nothing better than some dad jokes, right? It uh, <laughs> depends on what perspective we'll you have. <laughs> Um, if you haven't joined us before, though, remember cardinalwg.com is the website. We'll put up this podcast here if you do want to share these uh, these jokes later on with anybody. It'll be there. But also, the previous 39 episodes we've done are all there, too. So plenty of great conversation in terms of financial planning, retirement planning, tax planning, all, everything that goes into the, the comprehensive retirement plan that Anthony works with clients on. We've probably covered it to some extent, and we'll continue to do so. But today, you know, it's it's all about the joke. And we're changing it up because the world is kind of stressful, right? There's there's plenty of things we have to worry about. So let's have a little bit of fun with financial planning and, and we'll learn some things along the way. So I'm not normally uh, one to brag about my financial skills, but my credit card company calls me almost every day to inform me that my balance is outstanding. Nice one. Pretty good start, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk debt though, because debt is, is, a, is a big, big part of the planning process. And when you have... Um, you know, a client that comes in with debt on their sheet, how do you approach it? And are you comfortable with your clients carrying debt? Certainly in a perfect world, I, I think that you'd like no debt, but I mean, there's no perfect world out there. So I think it's pretty common for most, a lot of folks having some debt on their sheet anymore. And uh, you see a lot of people carrying mortgages into retirement. You see a lot of people having car payments throughout retirement. So these things are are normal, and as long as the plan can support it, I'm okay with it. And if you're okay with it, so am I. I, And I I understand there's plenty of people out there who hate that. There's advisors out there who uh, talk a lot about making sure you get to not owing anybody, and certainly that, that, that makes sense. But for reality, I just don't see everybody having uh, or being debt-free going into retirement. I think when it comes to other types of debt, like the credit card debt, for example, that's something that we should spend a little bit of time on and seeing if we can get that fixed. So generally, first, I want to get an idea or sense, how did we get there? Right? Was it just one time thing that happened that was unexpected from an emergency standpoint and 
credit card debt ballooned right there? Okay. Or is it something that is more of a spending pattern that we're spending more than we're taking in each year and we're always carrying some type of revolving credit card debt each year? Because then if it's the later, we really have to think, okay, well, if we're going to pay it off, which I would advocate, where are we going to pay it off from? Oftentimes, people who have revolving credit card debt maybe generally don't have as much in their savings account as you would maybe prefer or else they probably wouldn't have the credit card debt. So if that's the case and we have to take it from your nest egg, which happens to be an IRA account, now we often have to talk about what type of taxes and penalties might be associated with that. And even if we get by that and say there are no penalties and we can pay it off and pay our taxes and pay the debt off, are we going to be able to keep it off? That's that's the other behavioral issue that we have to kind of figure out. And for some folks, I know that we're not going to maybe be the best long-term fit because it's it's hard to work with somebody if they're going to always have that credit card pattern of debt and they're not going to make any changes. That's a hard fix. And and that that's really deeply rooted in things that people have done over their lifetime, the way that they've learned about money. It's a real uphill battle when you're you know, working with somebody at 65 or 60 about this versus maybe talking to somebody who's 25 or 30 who maybe got there because they just got out of school, just got out of college, want to get their first home. Like Those are things where you still have time to break and, and fix some of those habits. So it, it's not an easy one, uh, but certainly something that you can work with people who have it if they're willing to be open with it. And I'm okay with some debts that I, you know, as long as the plan can support it, I'm good with it. Very good. All right. So Anthony, why couldn't the advisor get people to buy bonds? I don't know why. There's just not <laughs> enough interest. <laughs> I think I think this is pretty accurate right now, right? Enough interest in uh, the market. Is that what you're saying? Or enough interest in um, buying? Uh, there's not enough. I guess there's not enough return. In the gotcha. bond market right now, and so how how do you how do you balance that mix though of of stocks and bonds and other investments when you're working with someone? Certainly, is a challenge today, especially for retirement planning. Low interest rates are great for a mortgage, but you know make planning for retirement a little more difficult. I always say to people, my you know grandfather retired in like early '80s, late '70s, and I think you know it was double digit interest rates at that time. So in, in some ways, that probably made planning for retirement a little bit easier. I know that there's higher inflation and stuff like that. But today, yeah, 10-year treasury being around one, one and a half or one, one and a quarter percent is really low. So first thing that we want to do is really figure out first is work backwards and do some planning up front and kind of get a sense of how much of a rate of return do you need to be successful uh, to for your lifestyle spend in retirement. And also, what's your risk preference? So getting a sense of how much risk that you generally like. Are you somebody who basically is sitting on in uh, cash? Or are you somebody who really likes to take risk and you have a lot of stock exposure or, or somewhere in between? And where do you ultimately like to be? And kind of see if that matches up to what you need from a, a rate of return standpoint. And then from there, we'll kind of go over the different ways that we can mix the stocks and bonds and and cash and other investments into basically a a model that matches the rate of return that you want and need for retirement. So that's kind of how we would uh, make that happen as opposed to 
And this is something that I would recommend people stay away. If you're walking into a meeting for the first or second time with a new advisor and they're pitching an investment without doing any work up front, that's almost like going to the pharmacy, get asking for a prescription before you go to the doctor's office. You got to really do some work up front and you should back into the solutions, not lead with a solution. Very good. I'm not saying my financial advisor is bad at his job, but when I went to his office and asked him to check my balance, he tried to push me over. Where yeah. do these jokes come from? <laughs> you know, you're not you're not digging it yet. I, I got a couple more. I'm saving for the best for last. But let's talk about balance for a minute, though. How how do you work with someone, and 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 what do you do when you find out your client or somebody that meets you for the first time has a, a portfolio that's completely out of balance? Sure. And just kind of like I mentioned before, we'll start with the planning first, work backwards and kind of identify what a good mix of uh, investment would would be needed in order to achieve that. And when we do come across, which happens all the time, where we come across folks that are not quite matching what they kind of need for achieving their goals, we want to first let's get a sense of how how do we get here to begin with. Sometimes it's I take uh, stock picks from my friends at work and other times it's, I had somebody recently say this last week, I think it was, that they said that they just look at all the winners from last year and pick those. Um, I have other people who said, I just kind of just pick them randomly. You know, I feel like over the last almost 15 years, I've heard just about everything at this point in terms of how they got into a certain investment. Certainly easier to fix something for folks because they're going to be more open to it who just go about a process that's not really a process. Like, hey, I just randomly asked my friends or I <laughs> just look at last year's winners and I buy those and, and relook at it next year. Those are people that I'm, are there in my office for a reason because they're like, you know what? I'm getting more assets now. I can't afford to make a mistake. I need some professional help. Then it's yeah. when you come into somebody who has kind of like this notion of like, I need to be beating the market or I need to buy only individual stocks and own like three to five stocks or, you know, it's more of a stock picker mentality that it's can work for accumulation, but it's really hard to be right all the time and picking those types of winners. But it's even harder to try to, you know, create a predictable income stream when you come across somebody who wants more of a speculative stock picking mentality for retirement, it's just, it's not going to work out. They're not going to be a client with us. I can tell you that. Now, if it's, you know, a a side money that you're just like, Hey, I like to go and try to pick stocks, but it's not a part of your retirement plan. Well, that's, that's perfectly fine. So, and, and sometimes people do have concentrated holdings because at a company that they worked at, they maybe got stock vested. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with holding some of those stocks and especially when there's tax around it, you know, you can build a portfolio around that stuff and kind of offset it. So, you know, those folks who are open to it, it's it's pretty simple to do. It's just a matter of getting a sense of what somebody's expectation is coming into the office, what the history is, how they got there, and, you know, how much guidance that they really want at the end of the day. Well, you mentioned investments. Um, Do you know what another name name is for a long-term investment? It's a failed short-term investment, right? Nice. I think we've. I think a lot of us have been in that boat. I know I have at times, and we all make mistakes. But 
for you, in your opinion, is there such a thing as short-term investing um, inside of retirement planning, or are you always looking out long-term? Certainly, I would say that you got to think about the short term, right? If you're going to be living off the nest egg that's going to come in every year, month, or six, however you take the income, you got to have some type of process for short term things that happen. Because the last thing you want to do is take money out of an investment account when the market's down. So as much as we're planning and projecting for somebody's retirement, more of a, a longer term view, we're totally ingrained in the short term in terms of execution from a more of a tactical standpoint of like, how are we going to make this happen? How are we going to give you this income that you need? And so depending on the person's situation and their setup, we want to get a sense of, you know, how do we get you income every year that's predictable and shield it from volatility as much as possible if it's coming from your nest egg. So Number one, we'll we'll see. Do you have any you know buffer investments? When I say a buffer investment, it would really be something that's not going to be affected by the market if it goes down. That could be cash. That could be a home equity line of credit. Could be cash value life insurance. Could be an annuity. So if you have some of those types of vehicles that are going to be fixed and not going to be affected by the down market, I know that we have kind of a buffer to go to if the market you know takes a dive we can let it recover your investment account and we can use one of those other buffer accounts. If you're somebody who doesn't have that, that's okay too. Another option that you can do is basically take your nest egg and maybe break it into two, three, or four different types of portfolios. Kind of, I call it a bucket strategy. I, I didn't make this up, by the way. This is just what other professionals or professors in our industry have kind of created as solutions, right? So you can take uh, a bucket strategy approach take your nest egg, break it into three types of uh, accounts, a conservative, a medium or moderate, and, and more of a growth oriented, and pull money out of the conservative bucket in the, uh, for, the, for the next, say, seven to 10 years as your retirement nest egg. If the market does get eroded in the short term, that bucket should be the littlest affected because it's probably going to have mostly bonds in there and it, and it shouldn't be affected that much. And if you don't really subscribe to that, that's okay too. Another thing that you can do is set up your withdrawal strategy uh, just to pull from the bond side, you know, your bond mutual funds, and then you could rebalance it each year, you know, knowing that you can pull money out of like a mutual fund as a distribution plan each month uh, to fund your retirement. Uh, you know that the bond side is going to be generally less affected by stock change I mean, there certainly can. There is some volatility and risk there, but certainly less than the stock side. Those would be some of the ways that you know we would help people kind of implement a an income plan. And that's you know that I would tell you that is focusing on the short term. A couple other things I would just mention though too is just thinking about short term expenses. So you didn't really say you know whether it's uh, what short term investments mean in, in your question. So you could also say, well, do you have any expected short-term expenses that over and above your uh, retirement income needs? That could be like a home renovation, a, a wedding, or something like that. I would probably already pull the, those dollars out of the financial plan or the retirement plan and set it aside. So it's one less thing that you have to really try to time and plan for, especially if it's within the next you know, three to five years. And certainly you got to have some emergency funds for the unexpected as well from a short-term standpoint. 
All right, let me close out with uh, with a joke that I think we can both relate to as parents of uh, very young <laughs> children. But why was a client sleeping like a baby when the stock market crashed? It's because he woke up every hour and cried. <laughs> see, yeah. hey, see, I got, I got a little chuckle out of you on that last one. Yeah, well, it's reality right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, little Margot is uh, is can be a she got is a FOMO baby. It's a FOMO baby where. If she's not with her mom, she's uh, she's crying, and if I'm holding her, she's also crying. So it's, that's funny. It's, yeah, real well, funny. Well, I asked this one because I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on helping clients through the uh, the turbulent times of the stock market and the ups and downs. How, you know, how do you, how do you work with someone that's stressed out about it? You know, I think everybody has some type of stress when it comes to their portfolio or nest egg that they're going to certainly be living off of in in the immediate or near future, and it just we're emotional beings at the end of the day. So some people deal with it by just not looking at their account and other folks really want to just you know talk more about it. So, you know, knowing this, we want to make sure that we're communicating a lot and in not just good times, but certainly in bad times and being there. And a lot of times the, the conversation just needs to be more about revisiting things that we've talked about in the past, reaffirming, you know, whether or not, hopefully, right, they're on the right course and that this blip on the radar is nothing new. It's not something that's any different than what's happened in the past. It will correct and get back on track and and identifying how much it's actually really affected you from a long-term standpoint. And a lot of times it's it's pretty small. Um, But also going into the planning of clients that we're working with, we are planning for those stock market crashes. Um, in their plan, like we just talked about, like the bucket strategy or having a buffer asset or pulling the money from the bond side while the market is down, it allows itself to recover. Those are just a couple things that we're doing to make sure that we're planning for it. But to your point, when the market does crash, even when you do these things, people don't deal with this stuff every every day. You have to kind of re-bring them through the process of what we did, why we did it. And people generally start to feel, I think, a little bit better. I'm not saying you're going to totally be able to erase all that emotion, but those are just some of the ways that you can help. And then if you want to take it a step further, sometimes there's an opportunity that presents itself. For example, you could do Roth conversions if the stock market crashed. That's a that's an opportunity to try to take advantage of, a, of a, an opportune time. So those would just be some of the ways that we can try to help uh, with people who are um, stressed uh, about the market, but ultimately it, it it's a tough being an emotional person and things that seem basically irrational at a lot of times. Yeah. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this this attempted at humor, and I <laughs> appreciate you uh, sticking with me through these these jokes. But we wanted to try to take a little bit of a, a fun fun approach to financial planning and, and lighten the mood a little bit. So hopefully we accomplish that on the show. But before we get out of here, I want to answer a couple questions from our mailbag that came in via the website, cardinalwg.com. And the first one was from David. He says, my father died in his late 60s and my mother died in her early 70s. So I'm not planning to have much longevity myself. Does that mean I should start Social Security as early as I can? Ben, I don't think there's one of these jokes that I'm going to take to our Labor Day party. I'm just <laughs> just trying to think of them. There's not really one good one. But <laughs> we'll, try, we'll, try, we'll try again. We'll try again. Uh, so Dave, I, I would say that I would focus more on your health it's certainly not uncommon for folks that we're meeting with to to bring up, you know, the fact that maybe their parents had passed a little early and they're a little pessimistic about, you know, 
making it out to 95, which it's hard to envision looking out 30, 35 years and saying that you're still going to be here. So I totally get that. So I think focusing on your health first make, makes sense. Creating an income plan to kind of see where mathematically it might make the, the most sense to take Social Security. I know a lot of folks want to focus on like the break-even point of Social Security or, or get started as soon as possible to make sure that they get paid into something that they paid into. So I, I totally understand that. But at the same time, it should be a little bit of a planning exercise to kind of get a sense of not only when is an opportune time, but also to help think about for folks who are really dependent upon Social Security, the more you delay it, the bigger that guaranteed income source is, the more it can help protect against running out of money in your later years, which is ultimately normally the number one question, am I going to run out of money? So I would probably start off with the, thinking about your own health and uh, creating the income plan and making the decision based off of that rather than what happened to your parents. Thank you for that question. One more from Rick says, our house is a lot bigger than what we need now, so we should probably downsize, but it's a place where we raised our family, so I'm emotionally attached to it. Is it foolish to keep it when we could live somewhere else cheaper? Well, that's, uh, that's a tough one, especially with the emotional attachment, Rick. I would say, well, if, if your plan can support it, meaning your nest egg and whatever other assets that you might have for retirement, and you can swing the cost, then I wouldn't totally sweat it too much at this time. And it'd be more so if you're in a, a situation where you're kind of relying and need some of the money to um, help you with your retirement or just to lower your budget uh, bills by selling the house. That's where it's, uh, I think, a different question and, and a tough situation to be in. And uh, so what I would tell you is first, look and see what the difference is actually going to be. So I, I know being in New Jersey, it's hard to downsize. And because there's a lot of taxes, um, property taxes, going from something that's, you know, 300,000 down to 250, you're not going to see that much difference a lot of times. So maybe make sure first, if you have an emotional attachment, uh, make sure that the downsize is actually going to make it an impact in in your financial situation. It makes so make sure you're incorporating an apples to apples comparison. Now, how much is it going to cost to run the new household? Because if it's a lot smaller, it should be a little bit more efficient for sure. But if you're in like a different state, what are the state taxes and what are they tax on your pension or social securities to make sure? Because some states tax social security, whereas New Jersey does not. So you're going to want to incorporate some of these things to make sure that it's going to be apples to apples to make sure that you know, you're know you going to downsize for the right reasons. Very good. Thank you for that question again. If you have everything on your mind, please do reach out to Natuus, cardinalwg.com or contact Anthony directly, 609-362-5512. But we got a few more weeks till Labor Day, so I'm going to dig into my dad joke book and we'll come back for, for maybe another try down the road, Anthony. Awesome. Appreciate your time today, as always. Please subscribe to the show. we got a new show coming out soon, and we'll talk to you again then. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.